0: it's tuesday december 26 2023 from peach fish productions it's the gist i'm mike pesca and this week we're going to have a little fun as opposed to the tiresome slog that has come to characterize the gist low these many years i'm going to play a couple new interviews this week i'm going to play a couple great old interviews but i'm also going to play stuff that predates not just season two of The Gist, but The Gist overall. In fact, given that it is December 26th, I want to revisit a piece that ran exactly 20 years ago today. Kind of crazy to me, at least, that I have a 20-year track record, even longer. I can prove that it ran 20 years ago today on the program uh, Day to Day from NPR. It's a short little piece, and uh, here goes. It's not only for Christmas presents that thank you notes must be written. Birthday gifts deserve similar expressions of thanks. But how thankful should you be if you were born on the day after Christmas? Day to Day's Mike Pesca did some research about people who were born on this date, and he came up with this rather disturbing information. Imagine today, of all days, a small child with arms still outstretched, demanding more presents. Kind of stomach churning. It is therefore that those who have the December 26th birthday are sure to have some problems later in life. Just take a look at some of the famous people born today. First, Mao Tse Tung. According to the Encyclopedia of Genocide, he killed 38 million people. Then there's Richard Widmark, who pushed an old lady down the stairs in kiss of death. Also on the list, Phil Spector, alleged murderer and confirmed weirdo. Also born today, Charles Babbage. You're saying, Charles Babbage, the British mathematician and father of computing? Yes, that Charles Babbage. And by the way, nice Babbage knowledge. But did you know that during his lifetime, Babbage was best known for his hatred of public music and puppet shows as immortalized in his 1864 tract Observation of Street Nuisances? So please, parents of children celebrating a birthday today, give the little gal or fella a hug. Your kid will thank you, and maybe, just maybe... They won't develop a lifelong hatred of street puppets. That's day to day's Mike Pesca. Seemed like the host really, really enjoyed that. So, stick with me. We're going to play a couple of classic Pesca pieces that you didn't even know exist. They originally aired on NPR. Actually, one of them aired on On the Media. We're going to talk about record scratches. Maybe I'll sing a song about Chris Christie and then uh, my history interrogating words that start with letters. Stay tuned for all of that. So a few weeks ago, we did a story on the sludge train And my reverie was scored with appropriate dreamlike music scored by Joel Patterson. And uh, it was interrupted. Here, listen to how it was interrupted. Speed and transit that defines humanity's industry, wisdom. So yeah, in New Jersey, they built the bridge too low for the sludge barge. Okay then, I will let you in on this. When we aired that sludge train piece, On the weekend best of show, I asked for the record scratch to be taken out. Why? Well, I felt that it was unmotivated in the moment. And I do have sort of a history of chronicling what you could describe as inappropriate record scratches. In fact, some say that I am the primary radio chronicler of excessive record scratches in the Western hemisphere. Yeah. So I do have this history. And I did not want this history to be sullied or tarnished or marred. What I'm saying is, I did not want my record scratched. So I will play this for you today. It's a piece I did for the public radio program, the WNYC program on the media. The year was 2001. So 22 and a half years ago, It was summer of 2001. And this piece is as timely now as it was then. Uh, To orient you, I was the producer at large. On the program, then, great title producer at large, is there anything you can't do or have to do? And we used to do fun considerations of quirky media things. It was pre-9-11, we were all so innocent. So the context was: earlier in the or the segment preceding this was Rex Doan talking about the death of the 45, and he got a lot right. He said, and I quote, inevitably, CDs 2 will be forced into an extinction of their own by some new technology. That is the context you need to know. We're coming out of a piece on singles on 45s, and that will make host Brooke Gladstone's introduction make the most sense possible. Here it goes.
1: Singles are dying, vinyl records are almost dead, recorded music as a whole is taking a hit because of MP3 and Napster, but we at On the Media have noted a counter-trend. It seems that the public appetite for the sound effect does not in any way track with the public's appetite for records themselves. The scratch is everywhere, including in this report by On the Media's producer-at-large, Mike Pesca.
0: In a Bud Light commercial that's currently airing, a young couple walk into a jewelry store and the woman falls in love with a diamond ring. Just as the guy starts to think about how much this will set him back, he is distracted. What's this?
2: You're fantastic.
0: Beckoning to him through the window is a beautiful woman holding a bottle of Bud Light. Do you mean me, his gestures say? The beautiful woman crooks a finger. The guy is drawn to her cold, filtered siren song. He can't believe it. This sort of stuff never happens to. God! <laughs> Who's the guy? Who is this guy? For the great taste that won't fill you up and never let you down. Oh, no. The woman wasn't beckoning to him at all. She was shooting a Bud Light commercial within this, the Bud Light commercial we're talking about. The guy is now forced to buy his fiance a bigger diamond. And the cue that his world was about to lose all color cut and clarity? The sound effect which says, whoa, wait a minute. NBC's promo department seems particularly in thrall of the record scratch. Tuesday on an all-new Frasier. Daphne's back. And Niles has big news. We're going to consummate our relationship. What? Ah, And for Saturday Night Live? And now something every mother wants to hear.
2: My it's the, new Saturday Night Live prime time
0: the screech in the Bud Light commercial may have been in context. Perhaps they were playing a record on the set of the commercial within the commercial and suddenly yanked it off. But Frasier and Saturday Night Live, they just used the scratch as scratch. Then there's this spot for AT and where two teenage boys need a ride home after a Destiny's Child concert. Hop
1: on in, guys.
0: And who pulls up in an abandoned parking lot? But the band itself. Hey. File this under never. Need a ride? Come on, kids, get real. Destiny's Child giving you a ride home in their limo, and on top of that, their hit singles being played off of vinyl? According to Record Industry Association of America statistics, vinyl records account for less than 1% of all recorded music sold. But according to Baker Smith, the director of the Destiny's Child ad, commercials use record screeches and scratches like they're going out of style. Which, of course, they are. We always know, you know, at the end of the meeting, we haven't cracked it. someone who goes, well, we can always put a record scratch on it. Like, oh, good job, Bob. Way to go, Fred. Sort of congratulate ourselves and it's going to be funny now and move on. So <laughs> I think that the record scratch is so much a part of our culture comedically that it's, it's probably going to be in the Smithsonian someday. Even after he decides to use the record scratch, Smith still has choices. There's different ones. There's a... There's a... You know, there I feel very passionate about the record scratch. I mean, it's very rare that I'm writing anything that couldn't benefit from a vinyl record scratch. John Aboot is co-founder of ModernHumorous.com. He, too, is no stranger to the lure of the scratch. Call me a hack, but I tend to insert that wherever possible. One place Abood used the Scratch, actually he admitted it was the only place, was on a project for Microsoft. The software maker hired him to design a website about the little paperclip character that pops up in Microsoft Word whenever you try to write a letter. Microsoft's selling point was that their new word processing program wouldn't annoy users with this paperclip feature. They used Gilbert Godfrey to play the paperclip, and the record screeched to hammer the point home. Why, hello there. As soon as I finish this proposal, I... It
1: looks like you're writing a letter. Ah!
2: You like help?
0: You. To a boot, the record scratch harkens to days gone by. It wasn't uncommon at the turn of the century for uh, a, a pair of lovers to be dancing to a phonograph in their parlor when the jilted suitor would burst into the room and you know rip the needle off the phonograph and the the lovers' reverie would be interrupted by this you know brutish thug and that was a classic symbol that carried on into many of our cartoons. Uh, Many of our commercials, uh, it's part of our collective unconscious. Abood's jilted suitor scenario supposes the record is a 78 being played on a Victrola, hardly a reference for the average Destiny's Child fan. I asked real live teenagers, Niaja Hoskins and Charmaine Sattler, what they thought the sound effect was.
2: A recording that just stopped, like, rip.
0: What is that sound?
2: I have no idea.
0: (laughs) You don't know what that sound is?
2: What, a recording stopping? Yeah. A recording stopping?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what would produce that rip?
2: Oh, pausing the, the tape or the recording. I don't, I don't
0: know. What about, uh, like, a vinyl record?
2: I
1: know, i saw it on TV, makes that noise.
0: Have you ever seen that in real life?
1: Um, I don't think so.
0: As media moves towards extinction, it leaves artifacts behind. We listen to a dial tone before we dial the phone, even though almost all phones are made with buttons. The record scratch was once an annoying consequence of misusing the medium, but now it's genuine music. When it comes to vinyl, it may be that the only thing that avoids the slag heap of history is the slag itself. For On The Media, I'm Mike Pesco. So I was going over some old pieces that I did, and this one, I think, explains a lot of my orientation, explains some of my l- latter-day stances. The year was 2007. It was August 8th. The show was uh, Day to Day, and this story is called New York City May Ban Certain Words. You will hear hosts Alex Chadwick and Madeline Brand talk us into a piece that uh, just did record scratches. Uh, has its own fair share of pretty on-the-nose sound effects. But I still, I stand by this piece.
1: This is Day to Day from NPR News. I'm Madeline Brand. I'm
0: Alex Chadwick. New York City Council, fresh off a symbolic moratorium on the N-word is hunting new letters every day.
1: (laughs) A resolution now before the council would ban the B-word, rhymes with witch, and the H-word rhymes with uh, oh no, Ho, ho,
2: ho. <laughs>
1: okay, Santa. Okay, a little warning. You'll hear those words in their full glory later in this report. From the gentility capital of the world, here is our own Mike Pesca.
0: The New York City Council, in banning the word b****, oh, come on. They introduced a resolution which, and I quote, seeks to join a national conversation about the appropriateness of the pejorative use of terms like b**** and beep. How can I report on beep? If I can't say... Oh, son of a... Darlene Mealy is the councilwoman who introduced the symbolic moratorium. She doesn't use the actual word in favor of the letter B.
1: The same as the N-word, it degrades women calling them Bs. And if we don't subject that to least some censorship, we
0: lost. There are literally thousands of racist and sexist slurs uttered every day in New York, and that's just coming from my downstairs neighbor. So where does banning specific words end? Councilmember Mealy is most offended by words that have pervaded popular culture.
1: Someone did call me of the orthodox um, sect, and he said, well, some people call us kites. Mm-hmm. And I said, I understand that. I said, but do they sing about it in their lyrics? Do they say it to you every day that's why b and ho and n
0: is is a word words that we need to take out the resolution itself specifically cites rap music and in a first in municipal history quotes queen latifah Every time I hear a brother, Queen Latifah's efforts were belittled in the resolution. So I wondered what council member Mealy would make of the Meredith Brooks song, which sought to reclaim the modern variant of strumpet or trollop. I played her this hit, which went to number two in 1997. So I don't have Meredith Brooks in the studio here with me, but it seems to me like what she was saying is that She's talking about herself. It's not a man calling that woman a name. Do you object to that?
1: Yes, I do. Why would we degrade ourselves? I know I'm more than a four-legged dog. And being a four-legged dog, when dogs get in heat, they hump and do whatever they want to do to the female bee.
0: Dog. When I did get a hold of Meredith Brooks a few hours later, she said no animals were humped in the making of this song.
1: Bitch for me in that particular context was my no. It was a different thing for everybody, but for me, it was my no. I wasn't able to say no very well. And I'd kind of have to muster it all up and go, no! <laughs> you know, so it was, my, it was my strength. It's a power word.
0: Brooks, by the way, has just come out with a children's album with no naughty language on it at all. One place you will find the B word happens to be at the National Organization for Women. Sonia Osario is the president of the New York City chapter of NOW.
1: One of the magazines we have on our coffee table, and a book that we have on our coffee table, is the magazine called Bitch. And there's another one, it's a new book about career success that's called Am Bitches.
0: Osario thinks a conversation about the impact of words is good. Having the government lead the conversation through coercion is bad.
1: You know, if it was a real resolution, that would be very dangerous territory to ban words and free speech but no one's going to get arrested for it. There aren't any penalties. So the
0: the best thing about the resolution is that it's toothless.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Toothless and popular, at least among legislators. The resolution was introduced with 19 co-sponsors. Crunch the numbers on the 51-member council, and you'll see that 26 votes assure passage, and there are 26 letters in the alphabet. So if each council member gets to ban his or her own letter... All the votes will be locked up. And once that happens, no one in New York City will ever hear an uncivil utterance again. Mike Pesca, PR News, YC. And finally, and this is sad, I'll play, i play, w- I wanted to play another piece that I did about Chris Christie before he was uh, governor of New Jersey. He was the U.S. attorney, and it doesn't even exist. It was on the NPR site And the only remnant of it existing is that I did a song about Chris Christie and his prosecution of different corrupt New York politicians. So the entire Chris Christie interview is lost, my work is lost, but this wacky song that I put together... Uh, You know, on NPR, we didn't have to really do a report a day or every other day. So I had a few days to get some professionals involved. We mixed it. I don't know if it worked. I was swinging for the fences uh, (laughs) as I was doing it. And it was about corruption in New Jersey. I incorporated it into the piece of Chris Christie and then we put it up on the web. Hey, if you want to listen to the whole song, I don't have metrics on that. I suppose, well, you know what? I'm going to play this whole song here for you and then we could go into the credits as I say goodbye let's start
2: with Bob Januszewski or damp party chair Charlie Cart or Richard Vuola whose taste Tessa payola proved not to be very smart five on the Pleasantville school board we may have made thousands combined Assemblyman Hackett was part of the racket, leaving a no scoundrel behind. Chris Christie, U.S. attorney, bust Buster paws on the take. Joe Scopelli had knees of jelly, just like John Westlake. Sharp James was mayor of Newark, a real graft entrepreneur. The system is broken, just look at Hoboken, Russo Zoo and time in the stir! New Brunswick, director of housing, fixed up his own house instead. And Jory Emma is quite a dilemma Took the roof, bathroom, and shed And a furnace You can't pocket charity proceeds Mayor Foy may have just missed that point point. And Frank Giabatte, should learn some karate He's got four more years in a joint Even with good behavior sad song
0: And that's it for today's show to The Gist I was mean, produced by Corey Wara and Joel I mean. Patterson, Michelle Pesca is in charge Looks of special like projects for Peachfish Productions. I do not have the names of all the people who helped me produce this song for NPR. I'm going to say either Neil Rauch or Manoli Weatherall had a big hand in the audio mixing. I forgot who sang it, but they're good. They're swinging. They're swinging like a fence, ladies and gentlemen. To advertise on The Gist, go to advertisecast.com slash The Gist, and thanks for listening.